And when I look back at some of those doubts and questions, I know, you know, that's not who I am. I, I do, I am equipped to deal with those things. It just maybe doesn't feel like it in that moment. Can you give voice to one of those doubts? I mean, it was really just, look, the business world is, I mean, everybody's been fine without you. Why, like, where do you think you even fit in? No one even needed you. Mm. So, the, I mean, that was one, like, you know, no one even noticed you were gone. That was another, I mean, like a lot, a lot. Social media was, I mean, not good for me during that time, frankly. Small business owners, especially women, take time away for all sorts of reasons. I've already spoken with Catherine Orr and her business partner, Elena Rue, who took simultaneous maternity leaves. I spoke with Rebecca Tracy, who takes extended time away for rock climbing and hiking. Others take sabbaticals or take time away to write books. On a regular basis, though, much more frequently than I would have ever guessed as a clueless 26-year-old when I was just getting started, small business owners take time away from their businesses to care for sick or dying family members. It makes sense in a lot of ways. Small business owners work flexible schedules. We often have more passive revenue streams that might keep money trickling in even if we're not actively working. We can work from anywhere. But small business owners also have a lot to lose. We could lose clients, the audience we've built over years of hard work, the brand reputation we've worked so hard for, the team we've trained. And of course, when it comes to family, it's worth the risk. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations about what works for today's small business owners without hype or gimmicks. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. So what happens when it's time to come back to your business? What happens when you sit down to your desk for the first time in weeks or months? What do you do first? How do you feel? What do you set your sights on? These are daunting questions, and they get to the heart of the crisis of confidence that comes from stepping away from a business for an extended period of time, often unexpectedly and without a real plan. Today, my guest is someone who has lived this scenario. Jody Brandon has more than 20 years of experience in book publishing, and today her passion is working as a book coach and editor for creative entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to serve their business with a book. Jody took two full years away from her business full time to take care of her mother. We talk about how she made the decision, the challenge of trying to keep up, how she felt when she started back in her business, and how she's adjusted both her work and her mindset. Now, Let's find out what works for Jody Brandon. Jody Brandon, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm I am very much looking forward to diving into this topic and you know, this is part of our larger conversation around confidence and this story, I think, is going to really resonate uh, with a lot of people. I think this is actually a very common experience, or at least in the years that I've been doing this, I have run into so many people who have been through something like this, whether it's with a parent or a child or um, a, a, another loved one in their life where they've taken a step back from their business um, and then come back and kind of had to find a new relationship with their business, with themselves, and with the confidence that they once had as an entrepreneur. But let's start at the very beginning. So can you tell me about the moment you realized that you needed to take a big step back from your business? Well, yes, I can tell you exactly what that was because I resisted it for so long. It probably should have come 
long before it actually came. So my mom got diagnosed with a, a brain tumor that they, they couldn't operate on. They couldn't get to, to know if it was cancer or not. And it was, you know, just like sort of like a rough and tumble. Okay, here we are. Let's try and figure this out. So they treated it as though it was cancer. Mm-hmm. And then they found out it was not cancer, but it had, it showed a different tumor in her face. Um, and that was cancer and it was, it had spread from somewhere else. It was like this rare form of neuroendocrine cancer that has no cure. And it was just, we were trying to, you know, balance all of these appointments and treatments. And, you know, my parents were not, um, not of retirement age. So everybody was still working. Um, and it was just, you know, sort of blindsided the whole entire family. And it reached the point where, we we realized she was going to live longer than they had said she was going. They gave her 12 weeks after they oh, found wow. that second tumor. Um, and she ended up living, and we got two years after that. So, I mean, we're super, super lucky. So let me preface everything I'm saying yeah. with the understanding that I, I and my family recognize that that's not the case for everybody. And as, you know, traumatic and annoying as everything that it was, we are beyond blessed and grateful to have had those extra months and years for sure. Um, but you know, as a, as an entrepreneur who can create your own schedule, it made the most sense and geographically of the adult siblings, it made the most sense for me to sort of be the point person. Um, and as she got sicker and had, you know, more appointments, my dad's job required him to sort of be on the road a lot of the time. So if something happened quickly, the doctor wanted to see her quickly and, you know, that couldn't always happen with my dad's work. So, and she couldn't drive herself because of the original tumor. Um, it caused her to lose her vision and function on the left side of her face. So, she, you know, she couldn't drive anymore. So it just became one of these things where it was happening more and more days than it wasn't happening, where I would get a panicked phone call from my mom this is happening. I need to get to, to Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia is where she was treated. And, you know, then my day went completely awry. So it just, it started happening so frequently that it was making it difficult to even say, okay, you know, Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons are my office hours. That's going to be that. It's a limited schedule, but it's set and I can do it. And um, that what it just, it just wasn't happening. And so collectively as a family, you know, my husband and me as a nuclear unit, and then the bigger unit of my parents, my siblings, their spouses, and I sort of all sat down and said, you know, mom needs a full-time caregiver. Uh, So it makes the most sense that it's me. So let's figure out how we're going to make that work, you know, as a family. Um, And that's what we did. But honestly, I could have saved myself a lot of aggravation if I just would have accepted that that was going to be the case months and months sooner than I did. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that piece of the puzzle, if you don't mind. Um, I'm sure that that's kind of, it's probably a difficult thing to talk about, but um, I just, I would love to know what was going on in your head, what was going on in your heart as you were, as you, as you put it, kind of resisting this decision. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I, there are so many people who have that sense of duty and responsibility and just love for family where it's like, of course, this is the thing, this is the choice that I'm going to make. And at the same time, there's always other stuff going on. What was some of that other stuff for you? 
I mean, it's like a lot of business owners, I'm sure. I mean, I already, you know, had my client roster. I'm a, you know, a book writing coach and a book editor. So I work with people long term, you know, over three or six months, a lot of times. So, you know, there were calls scheduled, there were manuscripts scheduled to come in, there was all of this work responsibility on my calendar over the next few months. So there was that part of it. The other part of it, which was like this weird juxtaposition was that, even though I had that business responsibility also, I didn't feel like working mm. because I knew I, every single day I felt like, but what if they're right? What if we really only do have 12 months or she would do an experimental treatment that they would say, you know, okay, the tumors have only grown X percent. I think, you know, we probably have another 12 weeks. Well, I don't want to spend that 12 weeks you know, in my office or on Zoom calls or whatever, even though, I mean, that gave me and gives me obviously such fulfillment. That's how I built my, yeah. you know, my, built my business and my life. Um, but it was, it was hard. It was hard on a day-to-day -day basis to not know what's coming today to, you know, I would, I went through a period of a couple of months where, cause my parents live, um, lived about an hour from me. Oh, so wow. I would, you know, just pack up my laptop and go work at their house figuring, okay, if something comes up, I'm right there and I can get her there more quickly. Or if not, I'll just have the day to work. But then I was, you know, working from, you know, an old third bedroom at my parents' house. And I didn't like just, just, it wasn't like conducive at all to any sort of creative work. Um, and it just, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't working. So we tried a few different things and I did resist it. Um, you know, and there were lots of times, even like in the thick of it, where I, you know, would call my brother in California and be like, you need to come for a week. I need a break. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were all, all of my brothers, both of my brothers and my sister were so great about that. Um, but, you know, you can't, I mean, you're the one that's the day to day and you're the one that knows. I mean, it. it's like those scenes you see in movies, you know, like when somebody gets pregnant and the guy, you know, somebody, I always think of that scene from Friends where Rachel's pregnant and Ross brings a tuna sandwich, but she's living with Joey and Joey's like, oh, tuna. No, tuna was last week. Now she makes her sick. <laughs> and he's the dad of the baby. But the one that's there all the time is the one that knows everything. So I felt like, you know, and you don't want to have that role either. Like, I didn't want to be the one that knew everything, that my, you know, even my dad didn't know, like, oh, no, that made her sick this morning, dad, even though she's been having it for breakfast for the last three weeks. Um, so it's great that you stopped for that on your way home, but no. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was just, it sort of sprung me into this role that I, you know, wasn't ready for. Um, and I think part of it was just, you know, you're the adult, but you're also the child at the same yeah. time. So there's that. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, then not to mention just the mental dealing with the fact that you know, your mom is dying. This is happening. Mm -hmm. Like your mother, is, this is not, you know, like maybe there'll be a miracle cure. We can be the family that gets that. Like that wasn't, it was very clear that that was, that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, you're trying to wrap your head around that at the same time also. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. Um, okay. So once you made the decision to take a step back to become mm -hmm. the main caregiver, what did you do for your business at that point to be able to step back? Cause like you said, you, you had the deadlines in place, you had the client roster set yeah. up, the manuscripts were in process. What did you yep. do to be able to devote your time to your mom instead of devoting your time to your business? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of hard conversations. 
Um, I decided that, you know, while I wasn't going to be sharing the daily, you know, ins and outs of everything every single day on social media, it wasn't fair to my clients to pretend that, you know, things were normal behind the scenes and I was working, you know, 40 hours a week on their projects, you know, as I might've been last month. Um, and so I had just, you know, I decided I wasn't going to take on any new clients, I was going to keep who I had if they were comfortable with that um, and if they were comfortable with, you know, adjusting schedules and that sort of thing. Um, so I had some hard conversations with clients. I had some conversations with, you know, like some other editors mm -hmm. so that I would have people to refer if I needed to. Um, I mean, there were some clients who completely they weren't on a set schedule, for example. They didn't have maybe, you know, some of my clients have an event coming 12 months from now and they want to have their speaking there and they want to have a book. That's a totally different scenario versus, you know, I want to publish my book in 2019, you know, but I'm not on a, you know, a set schedule. So some people were able to, you know, like stretch their schedules and, you know, the people who couldn't, I completely understood that. Um, and we, you know, we figured out a way for me to get them to a point where we could transition them, you know, to someone else. But I mean, it was not that part of it was not fun um, <laughs> at all because, you know, I'm a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and that feeds into the whole the, the whole point of this, the confidence thing. I mean, I just felt like, man, like I'm doing all this for my mom and she's going to die anyway. I've got all these clients and I can't help them because I can't concentrate for more than 20 minutes without thinking like, oh, my gosh, you're such a bad daughter. Like, go spend these 20 minutes with your mother mm -hmm. while she's awake. Um, you know, so it was just like, I felt like it was coming at me from every direction. Yeah. I, again, I cannot imagine <laughs> how, how long was that period where you were kind of taking that step back from your business and focusing on your mom? Um, it was almost those full two years. Oh, I mean, wow. I worked okay. a very part-time schedule, um, just because we didn't, I mean, and again, please understand, I mean, when I'm saying this every time those, I mean, we lived in 12 months. 12 week periods and you'd have the scans after six weeks and then get the results and, you know, do another 12 weeks. Um, so we were just kind of, you know, living that way. Um, and it was of course exhausting. <laughs> um, but I was so afraid to get comfortable just because we had, you know, like, let's say three scans in a row where the growth wasn't so much that they thought death is imminent. Well, I don't want to take that to mean, oh, I'm good to go and hire, you know, book two new clients. That's just, <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that would be foolish because that, I mean, what if that, you know, what if the, the, the wheels really did come off the rails at that point? And then now I've got to go back on those people and disappoint someone else. Um, so it was just sort of like living that limbo in limbo for, for that long where I was, trying to keep my head in my workspace. Um, and I was able to do a decent job of, you know, boxing myself in when I was working and focusing on work um, in those short bursts of time. I just, you know, I didn't have like a full day here or a full day there. That's just not really, that. that's not how cancer treatment works. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. I mean, you know, it just, <laughs> it really didn't care of, about my work. Uh, at all. So, yeah. You'll find out what happened and how it felt when Jody came back to business full time in just a minute. But first, 
a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Now, if you're a regular What Works listener, you're already familiar with Mighty Networks. If you're a new listener, first, welcome. And second, let me quickly introduce you to Mighty Networks. It's the quickest, most robust way to bring your audience together all under one digital roof. They make hosting a community, planning events, building courses, and making connections between the people you care about a breeze. And Mighty Networks just got a whole lot better. This summer, Mighty Networks rolled out a huge upgrade to its payment processing. Now you can charge for access to your network, access to courses, or access to premium groups. And even better, you can bundle up those options in any number of ways. You have more control of how you charge for your community and your content than ever before, and your customers have a smoother, more integrated experience than ever before. Get all the details on Mighty Network's impressive list of features and try it free by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. What Works is also brought to you by the What Works Network. At What Works, we've made it our business to bring you the conversations and ideas about running a small business that you've probably missed out there on social media or in your inbox. We're filling in the gaps, finding the missing pieces, and anticipating exactly what you'll need to make the next leap ahead with your business. Not only that, but we introduce you to people who are really making it work, not just telling you how to do it. Here on the podcast, we call the shots. But inside the What Works Network, well, that's where you are part of the action. We bring our careful curation and insightful questions. You bring your challenges, your questions, your opportunities, and your niggling suspicions. The What Works Network is a peer-to-peer learning and support community designed to help you get ahead of problems, anticipate opportunities, and find your own unique version of what works for you. We're opening the doors to new members soon. To be the first to find out when we do, go to explorewhatworks.com slash network. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. All right, let's fast forward then to the period sure. in time where you are starting to think about coming back to the business full time. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you did in that period to get ready to step fully back into the business? Oh my gosh. I was, my husband said I was like a kid in a candy store because I was <laughs> so excited. <laughs> um, and then I would bounce from so excited, kid in a candy store, to absolutely terrified. Because I felt like, oh my gosh, I've lost now like two full years. And I could see sometimes, you know, while I was laying in bed before bed at night, you know, I would be on Instagram or whatever. And I could, I just felt like the whole entrepreneurial world was like passing me by. Like Mm -hmm. I'm standing still or like moving in like the slowest motion you can imagine. And everybody else is just like whipping by. And then I would get so scared and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to get back to where I was. And I had worked so hard to get there. And so then that frustrated me um, and made me, you know, just the the spiral of, you know, back and forth, you know, between being like so scared and, but also so excited because I, all of these ideas, you know, all of these ideas came to me like in you know, in the oncology waiting room and, you know, the infusion center waiting room 
that I was like, oh, that's something I could do, you know, when I get back to work full time or, you know, that would be a great thing to launch or whatever. So I had had all these ideas that I had just sort of like suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. Um, and then it was like, oh my gosh, I can do anything I want, but oh my gosh, I could do anything I want at the same time. <laughs> so, so it was almost like I was waiting for someone to give me permission to move forward, like to mm -hmm. get back to work. Um, and obviously that person was me. So <laughs> hello. <laughs> Yeah. I, so I'd love to hear more about uh, being afraid that the whole entrepreneurial world mm -hmm. had passed you by, that you had lost all of this time. I mean, I can so resonate with that feeling. And at the same time, like, I'm curious mm -hmm. what that specifically looked like for you. What were the, some of the specific things that you were afraid you'd missed out on or that you wouldn't be able to accomplish now because quote unquote, everyone else was so much further ahead. Can you, can you tell me like the right. specifics of that? Like what, what results were you afraid you weren't going to be able to achieve? I think it was more of the big picture concepts for me okay. because I am, I'm lucky in that, you know, I'm not a copywriter where there's, you know, a gazillion other copywriters and you just have to find a right copy editor for you. I mean, my, what I do is very niche. So there aren't a ton of, you know, book writing coaches, you know, for entrepreneurs. So I wasn't so much afraid. It wasn't even really like client based. It was more, I had worked really, really hard in the years leading up to my mom getting sick on, on visibility. You know, I had been on a bunch of podcasts, done a bunch of guest posting um, and all that kind of stuff. And then I just, you know, sort of faded away for, I mean, for two years, I, you know, my business friends all tell me <laughs> that I was still, you know, showing up more than I realized I was um, and all of that kind of stuff, but it, it didn't feel like it to me. So it felt like I literally took a two year break and then, you know, almost like I had fallen backwards down the steps and had to start all over at the bottom of the staircase you know, for people to know who I was and what I did and, you know, what I offer and, you know, how I serve people and all of those kinds of things. So for me, it was more the big picture concepts than, you know, maybe like the tangible, like, oh, I'm going to lose that client to mm -hmm. so-and-so, that kind of thing. That wasn't really, um, I, I didn't lose confidence in my skill as a, as a book coach, it was really just everything else around it, which is good because that was really the one thing I had at that point. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I, it's so silly, but you feel like you're failing everybody. Like I'm obviously I can't cure my mom's cancer, but I felt like I was failing her because she was going to die. I was failing, you know, my husband because I was at my parents all the time. And we eventually moved my parents in here, which was his idea because he's, you know, a saint. Um, but you know, then we're like renovating a bathroom. So it's like, we are wheelchair compliant. I mean, it was, yeah. it was utter insanity. I mean, it was just, we were all grasping at straws to do anything we could do. Um, and it just, man, I felt like, you know, life is just blowing up all around you. Like your home, your office, your work, everything. It's just, and I knew there was an end point, mm -hmm. but I also dreaded the end point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was not a great, it was not a good place to be. And I, I'm a big believer in therapy and that was hugely helpful. Um, I think throughout the whole process, but then as I, you know, came back to my business 
and got back to work and started rebuilding like a full client roster and all of those things. I mean, it really helped me, you know, just maintain my, my sanity. Yeah. I thank you so much for sharing that too. Cause I think that's oh, sure. clearly a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, all right. So let's yeah. talk about getting that full client roster back and working on your visibility mm -hmm. again. What were some of the things that first week or two back to work full time that you prioritized action wise? So I tried to make the, I tried to make things as simple as possible. So, I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to manage decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it was going to be overwhelming just the amount of time that I had, you know, I mean, coming into my office at 830 in the morning and knowing that I'm not going to get a call to take me away that I, I can be here as long as I want today. So I knew that I wanted to focus on work stuff. And so I basically took the rest of my life and tried to manage the decision fatigue. So I literally, you know, we hired a new house person, uh, house um, cleaner. We did a, like a meal delivery prep service, all of those kinds of things to just free the space to get back to work. And then I just, you know, sort of went back and looked at, I also, I'm a, I'm a, this will surprise no one who is a big reader or writer, but like I have notes from everything I've ever done because I'm a chronic journaler. Uh -huh. So I, you know, I went back to when I first sort of transitioned out of traditional book publishing and entered this, you know, online marketing space, what were some of the things that I did and how did I manage my expectations? I didn't go from, you know, never having a blog post to having 300 blog posts. You know, it happened by blogging weekly consistently. So I went back and I, you know, opened a fresh calendar and like set myself up with an editorial calendar. That was one of the first things I did. Um, you know, uh, an Insta story schedule to sort of, you know, reintroduce myself. Mm -hmm. Like here's, here's why, who I am, where I've been, um, why I've got these bags under my eyes, that kind of thing. <laughs> You know, um, and yeah, it just, I mean, I, managing expectations as well as the decision fatigue were really the biggest things that were helpful to me as I got back in, because it's, it's sort of that, you know, the kid at a candy store with the, the whole day in front of you, but you don't want to spend that day, just spinning your wheels running from this task to this task to this task, or at the end of the day, you've accomplished nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, so smart, <laughs> such a great strategy. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, and I already was, I was feeling so, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like here we are. So I didn't want to end a day where I had accomplished nothing because I was never going to get my, like my self-esteem and my confidence and my self-worth built back up. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um all right. So yeah, let's talk about the self-esteem and the confidence piece, because you told me, uh, you told me in Instagram after responding to a story, um, that you found yourself questioning everything. Um, so it sounds mm -hmm. like you had this really smart strategy for taking the actions, doing what you needed to do. I love that you said, you know, I went back to how I was thinking about things at the very beginning, which is so, 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 mm -hmm. so, so smart. Um, and at the same time, I can imagine underneath all of that, there are all sorts of questions. There are There is all sorts of doubt. How did you mm -hmm. manage that doubt and those questions? And at the same time, what did you learn about yourself in that process of managing those things and rebuilding your confidence? That's a good question. Oh, man. Well, I, 
it's just, there's so many layers to every single thing in our lives, whether we realize it or not. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, peel a layer. There's the doubt. Peel another layer. Oh, look, there's some resentment about the fact that my brothers and my sister went back to their lives and I now have eight hours of nothing in front of me because I feel like my purpose is gone. Um, you know, and then someone wisely points out to you <laughs> that, no, you still have a purpose. It just looks a little different now. Um, so yeah, it's, you just, you just got to work through it. I mean, and it's hard and it's messy and it's uncomfortable, but, um, I mean, I think maybe if I wasn't such a big believer in therapy, I would have avoided, 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 but I know from being in therapy, we moved a lot growing up. So I've always sort of, um, I mean, my parents sent me to therapy when I was in high school, when I had to move in high school and I've just sort of it's been a difference maker for me. So I've gone voluntarily since Mm -hmm. then. Um, So I think that that probably has shaped a lot of my willingness to like be in the messy Mm -hmm. and, you know, be willing to talk about like things that, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's lots of other people in this position who think, Oh my gosh, how could you be talking about this? How could you tell people, (laughs) you know, that you felt this way? But I think, for me, it's good. And for, you know, I mean, I think for most people it's good, but um, yeah, just, it helps to just kind of work through it again with the journaling. Journaling is huge for me. Um, And when I look back at some of those doubts and questions, I know, you know, that's not who I am. I, I do, I am equipped to deal with those things. It just maybe doesn't feel like it in that moment. Yeah. Can you give voice to one of those doubts? Like what was one of the things that kind of you found rattling around in your head? Um, hmm. Oh my gosh, there were just so many. (laughs) I mean, feel free to say more Um, than one. (laughs) I mean, it was really just, look, the business world is, I mean, everybody's been fine without you. Why, like, where do you think you even fit in? No one even needed you. Mm. So that, I mean, that was one, like, you know, no one even noticed you were gone. That was another, I mean, like a lot, a lot of, social media was, I mean, not good for me <laughs> during that time, frankly. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think, and it's, you know, like when you're feeling high, it's easy to feel higher. And when you're feeling low, it's easier to feel lower when mm-hmm. you're in that, you know, comparison game, which you sometimes don't even realize you're in, you know, I mean, for me, I thought like, I'm just going to stop thinking about my mom for 10 minutes before I close my eyes and just scroll on Instagram. But I mean, that was, you know, that was seeping in Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was just adding to my doubts about, you know, where I fit in, how do I fit in? Do I fit in? Um, You know, I mean, I'm happy to say that there were only a couple of days that I like really doubted, like, should I even be doing this business? Mm -hmm. But I know from talking to lots of other people that that's a common thing also. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, not so much for me, but I think, you know, it just, you got to let yourself feel that, especially, you know, I mean, I don't, again, not to be dramatic, but I mean, my mom died in my home. I like held her hand while she died. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. So like you have to allow yourself to, you know, process that and be in that place, like be the daughter, be the family member, be the caregiver and then get back to your business, you know? Yeah. Literally. Um, Yeah. 
And I have I have two little nieces who, by the way, will never let me forget that that's exactly what happened because yeah. <laughs> in their mind, they came they came back to my house the next time for Thanksgiving. She, my mom died right before Thanksgiving. So, you know, we weren't going to do Thanksgiving. My dad said Thanksgiving was mom's favorite. We have to have Thanksgiving, but I'm not cooking. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So we had Thanksgiving here and my sister and brother-in-law came with their two little kids and they're five and three. And my, my niece came in the kitchen while I'm, you know, trying to, you know, do the, cook all of the things on Thanksgiving. And she comes in and she says, Hey, Aunt Jode, could I ask you something? And I said, sure, babe, what's up? And she says, like, totally like deadpan. She's like, so you just threw out grandma's bed then? We don't even need it anymore. Oh, jeez, The hospice bed. <laughs> I was like... Okay. All right. Yeah. Like that's, that's how she's processing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. I mean, to them, literally, this is Aunt Jody's house, but this is also where grandma died. So I think that, you know, that resonates on some level with all of us and probably always will. Um, but you've got to pull yourself out of it. Uh, and get yourself back to your, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but everybody says your new normal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it looks different for everybody. And it definitely looks more different to the day-to-day -day caregiver than it does the rest of the family. Uh, so that's hard to deal with too sometimes. You know, my brothers and my sister all got to go home. And I had to stay in this house where my mom died and the hospice bed wasn't picked up yet. And, you know all of her things were here and you know, that kind of stuff. So you just got to let yourself get in there, feel it and work through it. However, you know, whether it's therapy or something else, you know, just go through the crap to, you know, come out the other side. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about what, as you put it, the new normal? Mm -hmm. um, because I can only imagine that not only, did you wrestle with these questions of confidence and you yeah. wrestled with the logistical pieces of being able to step back from your business, taking care of your mom, taking care of uh, the aftermath? Mm -hmm. um, how has the way you, how is the way you run, the way you approach and plan for your business shifted because of your new perspective on this new normal? I, well, first of all, I mean, if you, if I didn't have ha hadn't had systems in place and the best, you know, virtual assistant on the planet, there's no way my business would have survived. So, I mean, I'm again, super lucky and blessed to be in a position that I was even able to do that. Cause I, I mean, I know that not everybody is in that position, even if they want to. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that said, I think it's just really, I'd love to be able to say, Oh, I, you wouldn't believe how much I can get done in two hours now. <laughs> But that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not the case. <laughs> I am better at, you know, batching. I think just because, I mean, for the first, like even couple of months, really, um, I took off, I mean, I, well, I took off. So my mom died right before Thanksgiving and then I took off until after the new year. Mm -hmm. But then once I started to like sort of ease back in and I was like, it's a new year, it's going to be, you know, perfect timing, fresh start, all that. And then, you know, I just, there were days when I just would sit here like, okay, I know what I should be doing is, you know, engaging in, you know, some Facebook groups and some membership communities I'm a part of to, you know, 
get myself in front of new people, get some book brainstorm sessions scheduled. Those are my discovery calls and, you know, and, you know, fill up the client roster for the spring. And I just like, I just was sort of like stuck frozen some days and I still was waiting for the phone to ring and someone to say like, Hey, you need to drop everything, get over here right now. Um, so once I sort of got myself out of that space, I was able to, you know, get back and set a, set a regular schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, it looks a lot, looks a lot like it did before my mom got sick, honestly, but I think that's just Mm -hmm. because I had, you know, good systems in place and, you know, I'm a batcher. So I have, you know, set days that are client days, marketing days, writing days, all that kind of stuff. So it's just letting yourself get back to, to what works really. I mean, that served me so well, so there's no need for me to change it. Um, when it was working for me and it, you know, it did bring me everything that I was working toward. I mean, you know, my goals were being met, my metrics were improving, all of those things. So it was just a matter of kind of letting myself work through it and then getting back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. So what's exciting you right now? What's, what do you, what projects do you have coming up? What are you working toward right now? Well, I just, I just actually launched a new service this spring, which people have been asking for, for a couple of years. And obviously it wasn't, in, it wasn't happening, right. um, but it's a, uh, it's, it's basically my coaching package, like crammed into like a half day intensive. Mm. So some people just need help getting like a jump start on their book, but they don't really need like the accountability while they're writing. So, mm-hmm. so I started a new book planning intensive service that is so fun. Um, especially when they're in person, they're just, it's so great to, there's so many, you know, tangible deliverables that people walk away from that day to get them off writing their books, which is so exciting for both of us. Um, so that's the big new thing right now. And I'm my, my book, right. Published market is being re-released this fall. So it's actually, it's actually being delivered to my, my own editor today. So that's pretty exciting. I'm happy to have that out of my hands and in another capable editor's hands to, you know, give the cobble cobbler's kids some shoes. Right. So, <laughs> well, that is so awesome. I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, I can't believe you're hiring an editor. Oh, geez. I said, I can't believe you don't believe that. Why? <laughs> that would be bananas to not do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that that makes a lot of sense to me. If I were you, I would yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Way too close yep. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, Jody Brandon, thank you so much for sharing this part of your life and your business with us. I know that so many people are going to benefit from hearing this conversation and hearing your story. So I just, I really appreciate you opening up on um, this difficult chapter, but also this exciting next chapter in your business. Thank you. Thanks for being so easy to talk to. This was fun. Find out more about Jody Brandon at jodybrandoneditorial.com. Now it's your turn to get candid about confidence. We're hosting an ongoing conversation about confidence on our Instagram handle, Explore What Works. Find today's post about Jody's story and tell us about a time that your confidence was shaken by circumstances outside of your control. What happened? How did you feel? What did you do to get back on track? Or tell your story in your own Instagram feed or story using the hashtag candid confidence. 
Our final candid confidence conversation is with Victoria Klein. Victoria shares how her confidence has evolved through a series of, some would say, risky decisions. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find more candid conversations and personal reflections about navigating insecurity and finding the confidence to take the next step at explorewhatworks.com slash confidence.